an hour long, so we'll get you out in about an hour. But you can hear about why we decided uh, to do a crazy idea and start a new church and our vision, mission, strategy, our vision for, for Greeley and, and how, the, how we want to make an impact here. So I'd love to, I'll be presenting that class. So if you want to find out about um, what, what we're all about, we'd love to have you. Um, also, um, in a couple weeks, um, June 24th, we're, City Lights Church is going to host a family kids splash party. And so it's going to be awesome. After the service, we'll have barbecue. So there's something for everyone. There's barbecue. Even if you don't have kids, we'll be barbecuing. Uh, slip and slide kickball, parents versus kids, water fight. So that'll be fun. And we'll have ice cream and that kind of stuff. So uh, bring swimsuits and towels because you will get wet. So um, that's June 24th coming up. Um, I also want to mention this, that um, last year when we were um, planning on planning this church, um, I was actually prayer walking here in Greeley, just prayer walking the city. I felt like the Lord put it on my heart to have our team prayer walk um, the entire city of Greeley, like every street, every sidewalk, every avenue. And um, we got a little of a ways uh, through that, and then it got really cold and people stopped doing it. <laughs> so now that the weather's nice again, we're going to start doing some um, more prayer walks in our city. And next week, we'll actually have a map here of the areas that we've already prayer walked in this city. And if you want to prayer walk your neighborhood, you can come and highlight after you prayer walk, you can kind of highlight um, the area that you prayer walked. We want to cover this entire city in prayer. And so you'll be more about that in a couple weeks, but um, starting um, June Saturday, June 23rd, we're going to have a we're going to do a corporate prayer walk um, for people who want a prayer walk. Um, Linda is right here; she'll be heading those up, and we'll be you can go with her if you don't want to prayer walk alone, but you can also prayer walk in your own city. I just want to cover this city completely in prayer. We want to see um, transformation happen in this place. So um, it'll be cool to see that map start to fill. And we got a big map of Greeley, and we want to do every park, every street, every avenue. Um, so that'll be awesome. Okay, and oh, last week we took up the um, offering for the Resource Center, and we gave, you guys gave, um, we're going to be able to write a check to them for $3,000, so thank you guys so much. Um, and that was above and beyond what you guys normally give, so I, I appreciate, um, appreciate you guys so much in that, and that was awesome. We're able to bless a local, um, local outreach, a local ministry that's doing an amazing work in the city, so thank you guys so much for doing that. We love that ministry. So um, I'm going to pray, and um, we'll take up the offering, and then we'll get into the message here. So Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, your kindness, your goodness in our lives. Lord, we put these gifts into your hands, Lord, as an act of worship, Lord God. We, we just choose to honor you with our finances, put you first in our finances. So we um, give this back to you, Lord. We thank you that as we do that, you'll provide all the needs of this church and all of our needs, Lord. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, ushers, go ahead and pass those buckets. And we'll get into the message here. Um, the title of my message today is called Take the Plunge. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, water baptism, and then we're going to practice it. Now, some of you are like, but I've been water baptized. It's been years. I know about water baptism. Well, I'm hoping that in this message, there's something for everyone. You might learn something new about baptism. I want to talk a little bit about it. But also, um, I think it's important every once in a while as a church to talk about why we do things like this, why we do water baptism. And we're such, we're so early, and we've, we've not 
quite been six months going now as a church. So um, starting, um, setting culture early on is really important. And so I think it's important for us to just um, talk about why we do baptism, why it's important to us. And, um, and we'll give you, again, an opportunity. If you're not signed up to get baptized, Bree, again, will be out here in, this, in the foyer. Um, once we start worship, you can, you can totally jump in and it'll be the best thing ever. So, um, okay. Um, oh, by the way, we have a, we have a, a t-shirt, the Sea Lights t-shirt. You get to keep that one. So if you get baptized, you get to keep a shirt. Um, and then we'll bring the people who are getting baptized. We're just going to kind of bring them up here and just say, hey, why do you want to be water baptized? And we'll let every, everyone just say like one or two sentences. Please don't read Psalm 119. We don't have time for that. You, you could probably read that up there before and after and during your baptism. But uh, just a couple of sentences of like what, why, why you've chosen to make this step today. Okay, so um, the idea of uh, baptism actually didn't originate with uh, John the Baptist. The idea of baptism actually goes um, back um, in, in Jewish tradition, back into the, uh, the time of the Exodus, and on several occasions, uh, Jewish people would be immersed or, or baptized. Um, they actually call it uh, mikvahs. Mikvahs is a dipping, uh, a dipping tank that they would mikvah several times. Um, um, when, for example, when they approached um, Temple Mount to worship the Lord, they would, there was a ceremonial washing, they would dip in these mikvahs as a way of purifying themselves to come before the Lord. So in Judaism, they would do this kind of thing um, more than once. Um, in Christianity, and, and by the way, it's still a practice in Judaism today, but in Christianity, we, we don't teach that you need to be mul- uh, baptized multiple times. You know, if you're baptized as a baby or sprinkled, you don't remember it, you might consider getting um, baptized. I think it is something that we um, should remember, but um, we don't teach that you need to be baptized more than once because for us, for the Christian, baptism represents the death, burial, and resurrection, which for us was done once and for all. Jesus Jesus did it once and for all, so we identify with that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus one time in the, in the water of baptism, and we don't believe that Jesus needs to be re-crucified. We don't need to believe we have to, you know, rededicate ourselves every week when we stumble or along the way, and so that's why um, Christians, we teach that you only need to be baptized one time, but I want to say, I believe uh, in order to reach our full potential or to reach maturity in Christ, we need to have all that God has offered us. And we need to embrace God's process. God actually has a process for taking um, unbelievers and immature believers and bringing us into maturity. And this includes, one of his things, is he, this includes water baptism. For example, when you get a new job, you have a, an orientation day. Or if you start a new school, you go to orientation day. If you miss orientation day, or um, you, know, you go to a job and you go to it, but then you don't apply any of the orientation stuff that you've learned, you're not going to know, like certain things at that job. You're not going to know how to um, be fully functional in that job. And so God actually has an orientation plan for those who are choosing to follow him. And I wonder if it's possible that some of us or some of you um, have been following God for years, but you haven't embraced God's full orientation plan. And because of that, maybe haven't stepped into full maturity that God has for you. Hebrews chapter six, verses one through three he says this, he says, therefore, leave the, um, leaving the discussion of elementary principles. Okay, so just notice elementary principles. That's like basic, bottom level, right? Leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ. Let us go on to perfection, or other translations say maturity. Let us go on to per- maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. Verse 2, the doctrine of baptisms 
of the laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. First of all, I just want you to notice, it says in verse 2 that baptisms here, um, the doctrine of baptisms, it's, baptisms here is plural. And I want you to know that it is plural in the Greek as well. So um, it, it's, it's implying that there's more than one, more than one baptism. Okay, and I'll get to that in just a second. But the foundation elementary principles that it, that it talks about, repentance from dead works, so that's like self-righteousness or, um, or sin, you know, so repentance from dead works, faith in God, that is salvation, faith in God is when you put your faith in Jesus, that's when you're saved. The doctrine of baptisms, so when we say baptisms, the Bible actually teaches there are three baptisms. There's a baptism and immersion of the body of Christ, salvation, baptism of water, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Laying on of hands. So actually, I think as, as uh, spirit-filled Christians, a lot of times we think like the laying on of hands is like this advanced level teaching like you're Christian, but if you want to be deep, you got to lay on of hands and, you know, the, the impartation of spiritual gifts. That's actually, according to, the, according to what um, the writer of Hebrews is saying here, that's actually an elementary thing in the Christian faith. It's not advanced level stuff. Okay, uh, resurrection of the dead. So life, the teaching of life after death and eternal judgment. So eternity, heaven and hell, that kind of thing. But could it be possible that much of the body of Christ remains ineffective because they've never embraced um, the full foundation of the gospel? They've never embraced God's orientation plan for the faith. Um, if, if I were to build, you know, have a house built, or if you have ever had a house built, you, you lay that foundation, and then a building inspector has to come, and they have to check off on that foundation. They, they're, they're either going to give you a green tag, or they're going to give you a red tag, right? The green tag says, you can keep building up. You can keep going. The red tag says, hold on, something's wrong here. Something needs to be fixed before you can continue building. And I think um, this is what happens sometimes in believer's life. They, they're not obedient to take that next step with Jesus, God's like, I got a red tag here. We got to get your foundation set before you can go any further. He, again, Hebrews 6, 3 here says, um, moving on to, to maturity, we will do this if God permits. I think some of us, we, we got a red, a red tag on our permit. We didn't, get the, we didn't get the pass there. And so if you've never been water baptized, maybe you've been red tagged. And the reason why you haven't stepped into maturity is because there's some things that you're missing in your foundation. All right. So again, going back, the, the, the doctrine, verse two, the doctrine of baptisms, again, there's, there's more than one. Um, there's the immersion in the body of Christ. This is salvation. By the way, that baptism, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you, you were being immersed into the body of Christ. That is the only baptism you need, technically, to go to heaven. All right? That's the only one you need to go to heaven. You, you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're heaven bound. But if you want to move on to maturity, there are two other baptisms that you need. The baptism in water, and you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to dive deeply into the baptism of the Holy Spirit today, and I, but I will soon. And, and, um, and, I'll, and I'll prove to you through scripture that, because you know, I know uh, churches don't always agree on this. They're like, no, there's one baptism, one spirit, you know. Um, but I'll prove to you from a, from a practical standpoint that when the apostles were going around to um, different churches, they made sure you're baptized in the body of Christ, check. You're bapt- have you been baptized in water? Check. Have you been baptized in the spirit? They made sure that everyone had all three of these because it was important. So in a practical sense, you saw them like work that out where they asked everyone, have you, have you had these different baptisms? Okay, so let's take a deeper look 
at water baptism today so that we can better understand its necessity. I'm going to give you four four reasons um, to get water baptized. The first one is very obvious. We get water baptized to follow Jesus' example. Our Lord and Savior went before us. He was water baptized. Matthew uh, 3.13 says this, Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, um, coming to John to be baptized him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. But Jesus answering uh, said to him, Permit it at this time, um, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately out of the water, and behold, the heavens were open. He saw the Spirit of God descending on, uh, descending as a dove and lightning on him. And behold, a voice um, of heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Notice that in, in water baptism, three things happened here at Jesus' baptism. Number one, the heavens were opened, okay? So there's the idea of open heaven. There's no separation between us and heaven. Now, I know that when you receive Jesus, there's no separation between you and God. He, you are one in spirit with him. He lives in your heart. But there's something that happens in water baptism without revelation is made clearer to you, that there's no separation. There's an open heaven between me and God. The second thing that happened is the spirit descended and he received, he, he received empowerment. The point is that when we get water baptized, you can expect and believe for there to be a greater empowerment for your assignment and your purpose in your life. And number three, he's, um, the father's approval was given to Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. We've been talking about identity and this is so important. That's one of the things in water baptism that you need to receive. Do we have the Father's approval already? Yes, of course we have the Father's approval. But something in, happens in water baptism. It's like that milestone in, in someone's life. It's like if your kid's graduating or someone's getting married, it's like, hey, um, I approve of you every day, but today there's something special happening. I want to tell you how proud of you I am, you know? And that's like water baptism for the Christian. So you expect to... Um, be imparted to and, and have a greater revelation of identity. You expect these things. Um, and the last thing, or on this, on this point, it's following Jesus' example, but actually this is the way Jesus told us how to make disciples. Jesus said to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this is how Jesus told us to go out and make disciples. That's how we should be doing it. Okay, so number one was that we were doing this because we followed Jesus' example. Number two we do this because it's a public declaration of our faith in Jesus. You can technically get saved at home, on your bed. I know people who's like, they heard about how to receive Jesus. They're laying at home in bed. They prayed the prayer and they just felt God flood their life. You can technically get saved that way. But there comes a point in, a, in your life where you want to go public. You want to take your Christian faith and you want to let the world know that we're not meant to keep this secret. Your Christian faith is not meant to be kept secret from everyone. It's meant to be, you're meant to shine, okay? So City Lights Church, our goal is to shine, to light up the world with the love of Jesus. So the um, public declaration of your faith, Colossians 2, 11 through 12, we'll actually read this verse a couple times, but it says, um, in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. So it's not, a, it's not a literal circumcision. It's a circumcision of the heart is what he's talking about here. Your whole self being ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Where did that happen? <laughs> Verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through, through, your, through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Okay, so circumcision to, baptism is to the Christian like what circumcision is to Jewish people, okay? Okay. Um, 
in the Old Testament, men were circumcised as a sign that they participated in the covenant. It would be pretty inconceivable for an ancient Jew to say, I'm a Jew, and never like, take that step and get circumcised, okay? Like, you weren't in if you didn't do that. And so, and then women participated in the covenant by either living in the house of a father who was circumcised or by being married to a man who was circumcised. That's how they participated in the covenant. In the New Testament, both men and women participate, engage in the covenant through the, the sign of, the outward sign of the inward reality is water baptism, okay? It's the outward sign of the inward reality. For an example of this is like a wedding ring. I'm wearing a wedding ring, the fact that I'm wearing the ring doesn't make me married, but it is a sign that I've made a covenant with my wife, all right? It also says, it also says to other women, like, step off, right? <laughs> step off, I'm taken. <laughs> wedding rings actually, and by the way, men give wedding rings for different reasons than women want them. Women want something sparkly and pretty that they can look at. Men are like, this one is taken. That's why men want a sparkly ring. The bigger, the better, because they want every other guy to know, like, this one's mine. So, but actually, it's quite, it's really efficient if you think about it. When you don't know someone, and it's like, are they married? And, you know, someone might, you know, you walk around and think you're not married. It's like, oh, they're wearing a wedding ring. Like, done. You don't have to have a conversation about it. It answers a lot of questions right up front. But this wedding ring is an outward sign of an inward reality of a covenant that I made to my wife with God. Me, between me and God and, and my wife, I made a covenant with her. This is the outward sign of the inward reality in my heart. Baptism says to the world, I'm taken. And it says to Satan, the, our adversary, it says, I'm taken. I'm spoken for like I'm one with him, okay? So it's the public declaration of your faith. That's number two. Number um, yeah, the outward sign of the inward reality. Having said that, it is an outward sign of an inward reality. It's not only an outward sign of an inward reality. So number three I want to talk about is that there is a supernatural element. There is a supernatural work that takes place in the waters of baptism. Some churches teach that it's only an outward sign, and it is for sure an outward sign. It's really important. But there actually is an inward work that takes place, a spiritual work that takes place. We'll read this verse again, Colossians 2, 11 through 12. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised with Christ, by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. In other words, I talked about that circumcision of the heart. There's a cutting away right, of the old nature, of the old self that happens in the waters of baptism. If you're a Christian, you've been walking a while and like you're struggling with sin and you've never been water baptized, this might be why. You haven't taken that step to, to, to go before the Lord and cut away that old nature, okay? This happens in the waters of baptism, the circumcision of the heart, okay? So there's a supernatural element to it. All right, I'm gonna make one more point and then we'll do some baptisms. Um, and this one will actually take a minute, but Colossians 2 and Hebrews 10 says that the Old Testament is uh, a shadow of the things that we now take place, now, now we partake of in Christ, okay? And so um, when we look at the Old Testament, we can read Old Testament stories, they're really cool, but we can also see, we can see types and shadows of Jesus everywhere through the Old Testament. And actually we can learn and enrich our Christian faith by reading the Old Testament and seeing like, oh, there's a type of Jesus, there's a type of Jesus, there's a type of the crucifixion, the resurrection, right? You can see these things um, throughout scripture. 
And so the shadow helps tell us about the substance, right? You can, you can tell like what something looks like by looking at the shadow. Um, I'm, I'm part of a running group on Wednesdays. We meet and we have a, um, we have a running coach. And he told me one time, he said, you know, you're running like, like this is when I was new to the group. I was running with my shoulders kind of high and kind of tight, not relaxed. He's like, you need to relax and, and run a little more open, a little more relaxed, it's more efficient. You know, you run faster actually. And I, towards the end of an interval, like it would get tiring and I would kind of like lose my form. He said, do this. He said, because he kept working with me on it. He said, do this. When you're running away from the sun, I want you to look at your shadow. I want you to look at your shadow, see that you're kind of up here and then like make a conscious decision to kind of run more open. And that's what the Old Testament kind of does to us. It shows us and actually enriches and gives us more understanding and revelation of what Jesus has done for us. So we're going to look at one of these stories in the Old Testament and pull some revelation forward to better understand baptism and our relationship with the Lord. Um, actually, this story, or this particular scripture, it's in the New Testament, but it's talking about the Old Testament. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 6. Paul says, take a drink of water and slow down. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 10 through 6. Um, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. Verse 2, they were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Verse 5, nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, these things occurred as examples to us to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Again, I want you to notice that there's three, it talks about three baptisms here. It says they were baptized into Moses, who again was, Moses was a type of Christ. They were baptized into the cloud. So you know when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, Moses led them, they were under a cloud and they went through a sea, right? You guys know that? Okay. Moses was a type of Christ. The cloud was a type of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when they crossed through the Red Sea, that is a type of water baptism, okay? And so, Let's take a look at the children of Israel and Moses to see if we can learn anything else about baptism. God wanted a deliver, wanted to deliver Israel out of their bondage from Egypt. Okay, Egypt represents your your past. Egypt represents your sins, your mistakes, your past. Egypt represents your BC days, your before Christ days, okay? And so, um, but, and, and God... Want, when you got saved, he wants to bring you out of Egypt. He wants to bring you out of your past. Before the children of Israel left Egypt, God told them to slaughter the Passover lamb, right? Take some of the blood, put it on the sides and the top of the door frames. Um, why? Because in the final plague uh, on Egypt, the angel of the Lord was going to pass over Egypt and as judgment, kill all the firstborn in judgment. Again, Egypt symbolizes your past, and the blood, of course, symbolizes, symbolizes the blood of Jesus. The Passover lamb symbolizes the lamb of God, Jesus, who was slain for us, okay? So this is why I said all this. The, God gave instructions on eating the Passover lamb, okay? He gave some instructions. Exodus twelve eleven. He said, this is how you are to eat it, the Passover lamb. He says, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, eat it in haste, eat it in a hurry, it is the Lord's Passover. Now I eat most of my meals in haste, so that's not hard for me. But 
Why did they have to have all their stuff on and, and their, their, their shoes on, their belt on, ready, ready to, um, why did they have to have it on? Because they, were, they need to be ready to leave in a hurry, okay? They need to be ready to leave Egypt immediately after God pronounced this judgment on Egypt. In fact, after that happened, the, Egypt, the Egyptians actually drove them out in a hurry. They're like, we're all going to die. We need to get all of you out of here. Let's get them all out here. So they drove the Israelites out in a hurry. What's the point? This is the point. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you were supposed to immediately leave Egypt. You're not supposed to hang out. You're supposed to immediately leave your old way of life behind. You're supposed to, that past, that thing. And I think sometimes we, we might do a, so you're supposed to be dressed, your shoes on, and ready to leave. When you receive Jesus, you're not supposed to camp out where you're at. And actually, I think this is a reason why a lot of people flounder after they've become Christians, they become born again. They've received the free gift of salvation. It is a free gift. There's nothing you can do to earn or deserve this gift. But then people don't, they're not taught sometimes that now they need to leave Egypt. And now they need to take that transformation that God has put on the inside of you and let him work that out. Okay? Before, before you can't change. Like, you can't change your nature, you can't do it. But after you've received Jesus, you've received grace. And grace isn't just God's ability to overlook your sin. Grace is God's ability to change and transform you. And that's why we're supposed to come out and leave Egypt behind, okay? So get your, you know, you're supposed to have your shoes on and be ready to leave. Okay, so when you, re- when you receive Jesus, be ready to let him change relationships. Like some of those relationships you have, might need to change some of those habits, some of those hobbies. Like maybe there's some movies that you watched before, you're a believer, now you're a believer, and the Holy Spirit convicts you and says, I don't like that, I don't want you watching that anymore. Or maybe there's even some music that you listen to. You get, you don't, you're not saved, it's fine, you get saved, and now the Holy Spirit's convicting you. Be open to the Holy Spirit, like directing those kind of things in your life. This grace changes us, okay? So what was the first thing the Israelites did after they left. So God told them, get up, leave, leave in haste. What was the first thing they did after they left Egypt? They crossed the Red Sea, right? So the application here is the first thing you should do after you receive Jesus is leave your old life behind and follow Jesus into the waters of baptism, okay? This is definitely modeled for us in the early church. Like today, people get saved and then we have like, you know, we, we don't do baptisms every weekend. But really, the, the, the model that we have in scripture is like people get saved and they're immediately supposed to be baptized, okay? So leave Egypt behind and immediately follow Jesus into the waters of baptism. Okay, now we know, this is my, my come up on my last point. We know that Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. They realized, oh my gosh, we lost all of our slave labor. And they pursued the Israelites to overtake them and actually bring them back into captivity and back into Egypt. But once the Israelites crossed through, you guys know the story, they crossed through Egypt, the Egyptians followed them into the sea, and of course the sea covers over them, and, and the enemy was left dead in the water. And I just want to say to you that there's an enemy, after you get saved, he pursues you to drag you back into bondage, to drag you back into Egypt, but if you go through the waters of baptism, that enemy's going to pursue you, and that enemy's going to be left dead in the water, okay? And that's why it's so important. That's why it's so important to leave Egypt behind and immediately go to the waters of baptism and, and leave that enemy dead in the water, okay? Um, I believe this is the, the, um, the problem with many Christians. They receive, again, this free gift, 
but then they're enticed to go back to Egypt because they didn't kill they didn't kill the enemy and they didn't cut away the old man, the old nature, and they're enticed back into their old lives. So this is God's foundation for us. This is what he wants us to do. And uh, okay, I'll just I'll just say um, the word flesh in Colossians um, 2, 11 through 12, it actually, in this context like this, the Greek word flesh or sarx refers to the sinful state of human beings often presented as a power in opposition to the spirit, okay? And apparently that is the kind of thing that is cut off and buried in the waters of baptism, okay? Does that make sense? All right, so let's recap real quick. Four reasons to get water baptized. Number one, we do it because we follow Jesus' example. This is how he told us to make disciples. Number two, it's a public declaration of your faith in Christ. Some of you need to slip the wedding ring on today. Number three, a supernatural work takes place in the waters of baptism. The old nature is cut away. And number four, there's victory over your enemy in the waters of baptisms. That's the four reasons, amen? Okay, so... Um, if you're not signed up, again, you can still get water baptized. Bree's going to be out here in the foyer. We're going to, um, we'll start worship, and as worship is even going, um, listen, um, when someone gets baptized, we're not going like, to have them mic'd at all, but when someone goes down and is water baptized, when they come up, let's all cheer for them when they come up out of the water, okay? Sound good? Um, if you're getting water baptized, would you um, approach the um, platform here, and we'll, we're just going to interview some folks. I want to put this down here. Yeah, thank you. Now, worship team, if you would come up. Come on up here. All right. I'm going to pray over the message real quick, and we'll just do a, an interview. Father, we thank you for... Um, Jesus, that you did have it in your heart, your mind, to deliver us from our bondage, to deliver us from Egypt. God, you command us to immediately leave Egypt and to come into our new life and do that through water baptism, God. So I just pray over these ones, God, that are getting baptized today. I thank you, God. Be so real and so amazing in their hearts. You do an amazing work in them, Lord God. And God, I just pray for anyone here who didn't realize, they got baptized, they didn't realize that they were supposed to leave the old life behind, that is a new way of life. And God, I just bless them today and, and ask God that they would do that in Jesus' name. Amen.